Welcome to Season 6 of the Do More Good podcast, a selection of interviews with the movers and shakers from the third sector and beyond, telling the stories of people doing more good. I'm James, fundraiser at Blood Cancer UK, Marie Curie and now a Sue Rider. I'm also treasurer of the events fundraising group of the CIOF and Bexley Cross Country Champion 1994. And I'm Kenneth, proud fundraiser from my time working for Alzheimer's Research UK, now the charities lead at London Marathon Events where I get to work with thousands of brilliant and amazing charities, father of three football-obsessed children and co-host of the Do More Good podcast. You're listening to the Do More Good podcast. The Do More Good podcast. Uh, welcome to Do More Good podcast. Do More Good Good, do more. Do more good podcast. Do more good podcast. That's what you want me to say. Yeah. You're okay. listening to the Do More Good podcast. Right, here we are, James. Episode number 87 of the Do More Good podcast. How are you doing? Kenneth, old boy. I'm very well, thank you. Very well. How about you? Yeah, I'm good. I've got a slight mild version of the man flu, unfortunately. Oh, so That's serious. That is, you know. That's, no, you couldn't, couldn't tell. From the uh, the shot of you on on screen because you're looking very well lit. Oh, is that my ring light in the background oh. that's uh, giving me a nice glow? If you look, I can actually change the color profile on this one. Obviously, this is for audio only, but look, that gives me a bit more warmth. This is the uh, frosty one, so yeah, there oh. you go. You know, all the gear, no idea. I love it. I love it. <laughs> a, a life lifetime of uh, influencing awaits. You look that's great. It. That's it for our fantastic which we mentioned, I think, last week, our new TikTok channel, just checked. We're still at 12 <laughs> followers. So, you know, got a bit of work to do there. But hopefully that dance that we recorded of you yeah. a few weeks ago, you know, once once we put that out, they'll be, well, they'll be flying in. We've been sitting on that one, haven't we, waiting to go. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we have. How's your week been? Uh, fine, actually. A little bit little bit quieter this week, which is quite nice because we've had yeah. some, some busy ones. So, all good. I'm down in London tomorrow. Oh, yes, you are. You are. The big scary. smoke. How are you it's feeling scary. about that? Taking your ring light? Or... <laughs> no, I leave my ring. I leave my ring light at home. Yeah, you know what? It's kind of that return to that return to normality, which just it feels a little bit weird. It feels a bit strange. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the team. Don't get me wrong. That'll be great. We've got some good good uh, activities planned, good sessions. But yeah, just just slightly nervous about it. So but, you know. you've been down. You came down for the marathon. Yep. Is that it? Is that the only time you? No, I've, I have or... been down. I've been down a few, a few things, a few times, but not not so much in the office. So, kind of tomorrow is maybe one of my first days where I'll be yeah. completely in the office, which okay. yeah, should be yeah. fun. But you know, uh, get a posh coffee and we'll see how we go. Nice. Uh, but nice. we've got a good um, good episode today, haven't we? I'm excited about this one. Blast from the past for me, certainly, nice. which we'll come on to. But before we get on to introduce our guests who are patiently waiting, James, midlife. We've hit that, you know, quite recently. Any any nice anecdotes or stories you want to share about your midlife crisis that you had recently? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm in it yet. I think I'm, I'm quite looking forward to it. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm just going to embrace it, as with all things in life. I think it's best just to go with the flow. Like, try and fight it and you'll, you'll, you'll lose out, won't you? So I'm quite looking forward to it. But I've had enough. I've had enough crises as, as we've gone through it already. There was like a teen crisis and a <laughs> 20s crisis, mid-30s. I've done them all. I've ticked them off. You've done them all. Going for a big one in the 40s. So you've never made one of those purchases where you thought, hmm, hmm. Well, Mm. you should say that, Kenneth, because when we talked about this one just before the show, the one that I immediately went to, right, (laughs) once, uh, I must have been early 20s, and I went out onto, um, it would have been sort of Carnaby Street, and I went to a shoe shop on Carnaby Street, and I bought a pair of white 
uh, sort of dress shoes, almost like patent Ooh. white shoes that were going to go with the tuxedo. Now, in the shop, they looked amazing. All right, they looked inc- incredible. Salesperson was like, oh, you look fantastic, sir. So I bought the shoes, took them home, and then I, I, don't, I, couldn't, I just couldn't bear to show anyone. They were so bad. <laughs> they sort of had little holes in them as well, but also patent. And they went, went with a kind of black tuxedo. I mean, it was so, so awful um, that I couldn't even take them back to the shop. So I just oh. had to hide them and, and throw them away a couple of years later. But that's the one that kind of sprung to mind. So that's yeah. your midlife crisis in your early 20s. Yeah. I had mine probably late 20s when I decided to buy that sports car. You know, you've, you've saved up a little bit of money. You've got a bit of money coming in. You say, right, now's the time. I'm going to buy a convertible sports car. So I looked around, did my research, ended up buying a Honda S2000. I don't know if you remember those. Bit of a blast from the past. Nice and quick. Bought it in Sheffield. So I had to drive up to Sheffield to go and pick up this car. I felt brilliant, you know, lovely gunmetal grey it was, soft top down, jumped in the car, thought, right, on the way home back down to Cambridge, I'll drive past Nottingham, see a few of my friends and my family, and then I'll go off, you know, show off the car. Yeah. Let's just say I got to Nottingham, and on one of the roundabouts uh, heading to my friend's house, a little bit, little bit slippy on the road, not used to <laughs> rear-wheel drive, managed to smash it, didn't I? <laughs> Within oh. two hours of picking up my midlife crisis sports car, it was in the garage again for a fix. So, oh, were yeah. any of your mates? Have you picked up any of your mates? Were any of them around? No, take I didn't even make it or, there. Didn't even, oh. <laughs> so yeah, look. Anyway, we go on. Let's introduce our guests. They're patiently waiting. As I say, I think this will be a cracking episode. So, our guests this week are a husband and wife team who have successfully transitioned their once corporate careers to now work with people in their midlife to support their health and well-being following their passion for this area. They launched their multi-award winning coaching and fitness retreat company 38 Degrees North in 2012, driven by their passion for fitness, travel and adventure. They wanted to create a luxury fitness experience that not only delivered results, but would be engaging, fun and motivate clients to continue training once they returned home. Fast forward to 2020, 38 Degrees North is now a multi-award winning company running retreats out of Ibiza, Marbella and London and the couple of successful midlife health podcasts called the Midlife Mentors. And their passion is helping midlifers achieve not only the body, but the lifestyle they deserve. The couple's background in psychology, coaching and NLP is something they also bring to their work with a focus very much on empowering individuals with the tools and knowledge they need to make positive changes in their lives. And as my former boss, hopefully our guests can share some insight into the younger Kenneth. And we thought it'd be great to hear about their experience and share some insight that can hopefully help us think differently about our own health and well-being. So we're really pleased to welcome Claire and James Davis to the Do More Good podcast. How are you doing, guys? Hey, we're good. What an intro. Thanks so much. You can do to our podcast every time if you want. <laughs> <laughs> so am I right in think would you have known Kenneth around his sort of boy racer days? I think I think the S2000 was slightly later. But, you know, I'm sure Kenneth had a pair of shiny white shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I sold them to him. I sold them to him. Yeah, yeah. He bought them from me. It probably was. So yeah, James and I, James was my boss back in probably what, 20... Whoa. A couple of years ago, Kenneth, surely. A couple of years ago, 2020. Turn of the century, I think, which makes it sound old even saying it. Turn of the oh, century. Yeah. Turn of the century, yeah, absolutely. No, the good old days. James definitely introduced me to... Uh, he, he he was well known around the nightclubs of London during those times after his uh, illustrious career as a, a journalist at Mixmag, I think, at the time, wasn't it, James? Yeah, 
and, and Ministry of Sound as well. Well, yeah. I, was, I was worried what you were going to say then. <laughs> James introduced me too, and I thought, dot, 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 where's this going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some good times. Look, thank you both for, for your time. Really interesting. I mean, as we said in the bio, it's great to hear about your change. You know, can you take us back to the start? You know, we heard, as you say, you, you both had careers in the corporate sector. James and I obviously worked together. And then you went through a bit of a change to follow your passion. Can you tell us more about the, the backstory behind 38 Degrees North and, and the Midlife Mentors? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, as you know, Kenneth, we worked together. So I was lucky. I kind of I kind of found my thing early on in life, which was like writing about dance music. But uh, however much fun that was, I couldn't continue doing it forever for, for obvious reasons. So I then graduated into kind of like uh, content and then kind of worked my up the corporate ladder, becoming more strategy focused, business development focused. And it was, it was great, it was fulfilling, but it wasn't really ticking my boxes. You know, I'd studied um, psychology at university and a master's in psychology. I'd always been into my fitness and training. I just got to the point where, you know what, I'm just going to take a leap on this. So I, I moved from London to Ibiza in 2011 with the whole idea of setting up uh, fitness retreats. So I wanted to show people, I knew Ibiza obviously from my past, my, my old uh, dance music days, but I wanted to show people what the island had to offer in terms of like the natural beauty, you know, getting away to, to train in these gorgeous surroundings, but kind of break the mould of like not a boot camp where you're just fed like boiled rice and beasted, but like luxury surroundings, great food, work on the mindset and the coaching as well. So that's really how that came about almost a decade ago. I mean, fast forward, since then, you know, I've, I've known Claire quite a few years while I was running out over there. We both went through divorces at the same time and then uh, found each other and came together. And that's really been a transformation for, for me personally. And that it's just made me want to be the best version of myself, focus on my growth. And from there, we've launched you know, the Midlife Mentors. And now in the position we are, like helping so many midlifers really embrace the second act with, with kind of joy and happiness and realize, you know, it's not, it's not the beginning of the inevitable end. It can be a great time in your life to like reconnect with with your purpose and have a great, healthy, happy life. So yeah, that's mine kind of a brief story. Mine wasn't as easy transition as that. I, I didn't like fitness. I wasn't into health and wellness at all. I hated um, my job for about 14, 15 years in the corporate world. I started in um, Harrods in PR and events and really didn't like it. It was miserable. I just try to find my way out of it so many times and I know so many people can relate to this I, I kept doing different things I went freelance really early on in my PR career because I wanted to try and get out and do other things so I became a stress management consultant a business coach for Microsoft doing freelance PR to kind of keep myself going I launched two businesses but I always felt like an imposter so never ever I'd create these things go for go for it but I just didn't have the self-confidence and self-belief to break out of that corporate world and really start running my life in the direction that I wanted to go. So it took me until when I was about 30 and I went through my own transition. I, I went through a divorce. I was put on antidepressants and I hadn't I'd done a bit of fitness before. It wasn't a passion of mine. And I thought, hang on a minute, I'm piling on the weight. I'm feeling really uncomfortable in my skin. I'm not feeling any better. I'm actually feeling worse. So that's when I discovered nutrition and fitness and health and well-being I'd already got the mindset stuff mm. I'd already got that now and the spiritual stuff got that nailed but I wasn't looking after myself as well mind body and soul so then I requalified and I found my thing I remember the first time I went back to minimum wage 
I just thought, I'm not, I'm going to get out of the corporate rat race. I don't care what it takes now. I actually had just got my own mortgage, went minimum wage and just decided to go for it. And I just remember, it sounds really silly, but doing my first spin class. And I just, I was on my spin class. I was like, this is, this is it. And then when I started coaching people, mind, body and soul, I was like, all of that, it wasn't wasted. And you only understand life looking backwards. And I thought, okay, I get it all now. I get it. Nice. Well, what a combo you two make then. So you've got James and you kind of, you've got your Ibiza heritage and the wellness stuff. And then Claire, you've got, you talk about going freelance early. There's obviously a bit of initiative and entrepreneurial spirit there. The combination of the two works quite nicely. Yeah, it's all right. It works. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's great. I love, I love it. We're partners in crime, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, we recognise that we're very blessed. I mean, we get to like work with each other, which, you know, people go, how do you manage to do that? Surely it's like hell. We're like, yeah, of course we have our ups and downs, like, like any couple. But on the whole, we realise like we're so blessed to be able to like live together, work together, and do something that we're we're both so passionate about, and kind of inspire each other on a day to day basis as well. Yeah. I mean, it's a lasting. Uh, you know, you talked about it there that transition, both of you having careers, and I'm sure people are listening to this will think, "Wow, that sounds amazing. That sounds so great." The way that you talk about it, but I'm sure it wasn't that easy at the time. Can you just talk a little bit about maybe the psychology from behind? Or the, the psychology that you guys experienced during those changes, going from a successful career to kind of, as you described it, you know, minimum wage almost, Claire, at, at some points. What was that like? Can you remember that moment? Yeah, I do. I do. You're, you're constantly scared of, of course, you're constantly scared of failure. You're scared of taking the risk. Um, you're scared of what other people might think. But there's, there's a point for me where I had try, tried so many times and my belief systems had kept pulling me back. We were talking about this yesterday to someone. There's a belief system that I can't love what I do and make money from it. And, and I kind of uncovered that my relationship with money was pretty bad. I kind of did started doing a lot, a lot of deep inner work about what my belief systems were that keep, kept self-sabotaging me and kept pinging me back to go back to the familiar because our subconscious mind wants to do that anyway. It'll always take the path of least resistance. But every time it kept doing that, you know, every time I did that, I felt like I'd failed even more. So I was like, I can't keep doing this. My life is too precious. This is not a dress rehearsal. The pain of staying where I am and never knowing my potential is worse than failure. Mm. And that for me was was a pivotal moment where I was like, I've got to go for it. It's now or never. And I can't, I can't let the fear of failure keep holding me back because my life's too precious and it's ticking along. Time is finite. Mm. What about you, James, at that time? What can, what's your lasting memories from it? I mean, uh, I'm not going to dress it up for anyone. It can be really scary. I mean, I I took quite a big jump in terms of like, I left like a really good corporate, I was working for MTV, like, you know, doing digital deals around the whole of emerging markets. So I left a really good career, you know, a home in London and everything to move to a different country and start a business from scratch with no experience in having run my own business. And, you know, I got a lot wrong in hindsight. And, yeah, you know, I won't be honest, there was days, many days, where I was like, initially, like, what have I done? Like, I, was, I just I want that paycheck flopping into my account at the end of the month rather than I'm like, scrambling around for pennies to pay the bills. But I'm so grateful for the experience now, however hideous it was at the time, because you, you know, there's no, I believe there's no failure. There's only learning. So I learned so much from that. And it's given us, you know, the foundations to, to build what we have now. I recognize that, you know, if I hadn't taken that, that leap and done it, even though I got a lot wrong, something really positive has come out of it. 
But one of the things that when we're dealing with midlife, as we always say, is that when we're young, we play to win. And often as we get older, we start to play not to lose. And it's a very subtle shift in thinking, but it starts to like manifest in more and more kind of fear-based thinking about I've accumulated all these things. I've got to protect them, protect them, protect them, protect them. And yeah, of course, we need, we need to look after our assets and, and all that. But sometimes it can make us far too risk averse when missing opportunities. That's an interesting one. There was also an interesting point, Clay, that you made before we get on to play not to lose about that connection between doing something that you love and being paid for it on, and how you should almost suffer through work because you're being paid for it. Yes. Yes. I mean, I, I uncovered that God bless my parents. You know, I had a very good upbringing, but I realized that, you know, doing all the psychology and the work that I've done on myself to, to heal some of these belief systems you know, I look back and when you dig deep and uncover things, it's because I saw my parents, my dad hated his job, hated his job, but stayed doing it because he had the family to look after. And it caused such unhappiness in, in every area of his, of his life. You know, I saw someone that was striving, striving, striving just to get the paychecks. It was all about money. It wasn't about happiness or well-being or joy. It was about the, the graft of just bringing home the bacon. And that's, that's where I got that belief system from, that it has to be really difficult, that life has to be really difficult, that you have to work in a corporate job, that it's, you're striving and then there's no joy to it. So I'm picking that even. Awareness precedes change, right? If you're behaving in a certain way, you need to be aware of where that's even coming from. So even in itself, just knowing that that's where it was coming from, then I could start reprogramming my mind because, you know, we know a lot about we're both NLP practitioners. So knowing a lot about all the neural pathways and things, it's like, okay, that's the one thing that's really holding me back here. I'm not going to let it. Wow. That's super powerful. So we wanted to kind of delve into your expertise a little bit more if we can, you know, and hopefully help some of some of our audience, I guess, like many industries over the last 20 months, you know, the not-for-profit sector, the, the charity world has been affected really badly. You know, people have lost their jobs. People have started to reflect on what the, what the meaning of life is. You know, is my career path the, the way that I want it to be going? Um, what, what can I change? I'm just interested in the work that you guys do today and, and what some of the experiences, challenges you're hearing from professionals in maybe their 20s, 30s or 40s following the pandemic and what kind of advice you've been trying to give to them? Well, it's really interesting. I think um, the pandemic has um, actually opened a few people's eyes in a way. A lot of people we speak to were kind of, kind of like coasting along, but maybe it's like nagging feeling that they weren't that happy, perhaps having like that enforced time at home and space and time. They're really like, wow, is this how I want to live my life? You know, it may be like pre-pandemic. Oh, I'm getting up at six in the morning. I'm leaving the house at seven. I'm going to a job I don't really like. I'm getting home to basically eat and go to bed, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. So we found a lot of clients actually questioning, yeah, what do I want from life? And I think we're in a really interesting phase now with the way things are. You know, we're, we're moving back to um, a kind of transitional period of, of a hybrid working environment. And that's also a challenge for organisations, even in the not-for-profit sector as well, and for individuals. Everyone's trying to work out what the new rules are, the new boundaries. And there's a lot of anxiety around that, but I think also a lot of opportunity for people to redefine you know, how they want to work and companies, how they want to treat their people as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think some of the challenges are, you know, there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of uncertainty still in the world. And 
there's a lot of fear for looking after your family and making sure that financially people are feeling secure and safe so there's in some way there's this real fight internally that we're seeing with some midlifers it's like what do I want my life to be like because I've started to reevaluate everything but there's also this feeling of uncertainty and insecurity and not feeling safe so there's there's a real feeling of pull in both directions at the moment and that's what we help when we work one-to-one with clients and we coach them it's trying to unpick that and work out a safe way to start getting them to live the life that they deserve and that they want. Yeah, is there something about that kind of midlife period, whereas James, you say people change from playing not to lose and maybe they start considering how they can win. Maybe you're kind of ticking over halfway, think, oh, actually, is this what I'd always planned? This is what I've worked for. And maybe the pandemic in particular has done that because it's shocked us out of the norm. And it's opened our minds up to that. I think it's made a lot of people reevaluate, you know, and the, and the midlife, the term midlife crisis thing was coined by a psychologist in the late 50s, early 60s. And it's really about considering that phase of life where, you know, I think he described it as, as like looking down the hill towards the inevitable decline and death. And it's a bit morbid, but, you know, people have unfortunately got to that phase now where they, they are reevaluating their lives. And, what inspired us to actually start this whole thing was seeing so many of our contemporaries and friends who's like, well, this is the this is the start of the end. Like I have to like accept the expanding waistline, the lowered energy, lowered confidence, brain fog. I mean, like, you know, these are natural parts of aging, but there are so many things you can do to offset this. And actually, like there's a lot you can do with your mind to start embracing this second act with with joy and passion. I think um, rather I th- than accept, accepting what, what you think has to happen. I think it's so common. We were, again, saying off podcast before, um, a lot of people do. It's, it's in their 40s and they're thinking suddenly that the fragility of, of life, we, we are seeing, sadly, um, aging parents. We're seeing some of our friends go through loss and bereavement. You know, let's be honest, that's what's happening at midlife. Uh, we're seeing our children grow up. And there's a real impending sense of, okay, my time is, is quite finite. We're actually being really faced with, a, with our mortality a lot more around this time of life. And I think that in itself it does a laser focus on where I'm at right now. I've been striving, 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 collecting these things, collecting, you know, my, my badge of honour at work, my, my um, house, my car, my holiday, everything. And then all of a sudden <clears throat> you realise you're not particularly happy and that that can be a real real shock for people yeah i was gonna say there's often quite a big disconnect because when we think back to you know when we were growing up in like our 20s we're kind of thinking ah by the time i'm in my my late midlife life is sorted i'm not on top of the world i'm you know i'm at the pinnacle of my career i've got everything i need and in fact you know people are finding that midlife they're more stressed at any other point in their life so that's like another trigger and add in kind of all the hormonal and physiological changes going on. And it's no wonder people are, are you know, starting to feel anxious, worried about their futures. And, you know, we're basically there to help them and understand that there, there is another way to address this and move forward. And those points you've just mentioned, are they like, are they almost printed on a, on a bingo card in front of you? That you hear those things, those trends over and over and over again. From white shoes, of, white shoes will be on there soon, <laughs> yeah. somewhere as well. <laughs> white shiny shoes. Uh, no, absolutely. We hear, you know, every, everyone is an individual, but of course, what's by this? So we sort of kept seeing the common themes presenting over and over again with people in, in this age bracket. 
which is helpful actually because part of our coaching program are group calls and getting people together so actually realizing that you're not alone and mm. creating a safe space to talk about this stuff um you know james works with men i work with women especially around menopause and perimenopause james with the andropause the male menopause and actually just bringing in a safe space where someone's like i'm feeling this and for someone just to say this is why you're feeling this way. Yes, all the psychology and the stuff we've just talked about, what James has touched on there is the physiological stuff that is going on for us at midlife that creates it. There's a cocktail of hormones that affects your body, your mind and your spirit. While Jimbo's sorting out his microphone, let me just give you a reminder of where you can find out more about the Do More Good podcast. You can head to our website at domoregood.uk. There you'll find profiles, blog posts, previous episodes and a link to the newsletter, which you can sign up to get some content in your inbox every couple of weeks and hear about our latest episodes. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at domoregoodpod, plus you'll find us on LinkedIn. And we're also starting a TikTok. I mean, as you're talking there, you can kind of you can't help but reflect on your own situation. And 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 I think, like you said, you know, being open, having the conversations. I think I'm quite quite lucky to be surrounded by friends where we're all quite open about that kind of stuff. You know, and maybe that's just the generation. I, I don't know, but I guess just just going back slightly, if if someone kind of identifies them that they want to make that change because maybe they're in that situation that you described, James, where you know they've come out the other side of the pandemic. They're, they're working in a job that they maybe don't enjoy. They're, they're, they're buying three pairs of white shoes every weekend just to try and get something back. Um, but no, they acknowledge that there's a change that they want to make. You guys obviously went through that change and, and, and made it. What advice would you give with someone that's maybe knows that they want to change, knows that they potentially need a change for them to live a fulfilled life, um, but not sure what step to take, what, what to do, where to go? What advice would you give to them? Like yeah, I think I think firstly, on the flip side of that, I'd be I, I would say be really careful about all the stuff that you read on the internet because there is so much conflicting advice. And I would, you know, we're really lucky that a lot of people come to us by word of mouth. So actually go go for someone that um is, is trustworthy. I would say just take that first step, even to have a conversation. You know, it only takes a first step to open up those channels of communication and reaching out to people if they're your they're your tribe you will feel it within yourself but don't try and overcomplicate it because a lot of people end up thinking i'm here right now and i want to go over there but your brain can't fathom being over there because it might be years since you've been there or you've never done that in the first place so don't don't think that you have to you know go from here to there and focus on that just start little by little with bit you know tiny steps you know if they if they're good people and they're good coaches and they're good mentors they'll happily jump on a call for 15 minutes talk about some of your challenges and actually give you some solutions on that call that's what we do because we're happy always to connect with people that are struggling so you know there is an element of vulnerability that that has to come out but if you're if the pain is staying where you are is is more than actually taking that that first step then you'll do it and you need a little bit of commitment and a tiny little bit of self-belief and a mentor and a coach that will take you through a proven approach to help get you there and we'll do it bit by bit you know we do not overwhelm people because otherwise you know you're more likely to fall off the wagon i guess making that first 
step almost admitting that to yourself is quite a brave thing to do it's quite a big that's a big step even just taking that that tiny first one you know you've you talked a little bit about imposter syndrome and kind of always presenting that you know what you're doing and you know what you're talking about and you've invested years in your career you've gone from mix mag to ministry of sound and you're suddenly working you're running mtv and you're hanging out with axel rose then you're just going to give that all up you've invested a vast amount of time and you you almost you know all of us become our jobs we all represent our jobs and who we are and that's a massive part of it so that first step although being potentially a small one is also a massively brave one to admit it to yourself massively brave but what i encourage people to do is it's so interesting again you know this is a really common thing for clients like so many clients are so used to you know setting goals for their jobs for work and breaking those goals down you know but they've got no emotional connection to those goals because it's kind of like oh yeah if you hit that target you'll get a bonus or whatever which is great you know that motivates them but it's not an emotional connection but so few people actually stop and think about what is my goal for my personal life my personal development and I encourage everyone to you know just just look a little bit down the road look you know what five years from now or ten years from now not where do you want to be who do you want to be uh, and that's really I want to be, I want to be Kenneth Foreman <laughs> <laughs> driving around in an S2000 yeah, negotiating roundabout smoothly but that's, no it's a brilliant point it's a very very good point I've got loads of targets at work I've got no personal targets whatsoever I was, I was actually just reviewing something today because at work um you know everyone's coming up to appraisal season you know the end of december is where we tend to have appraisals and actually um the business that i work for actually one of our goals as part of our appraisal was our wobbly line we talk a lot about a wobbly line in which i don't know if it's a phrase you guys have heard but about kind of that rest and re- the athlete kind of rest and recovery and you know when to be at the optimum and when to have that time to recover and actually, for the first time this year, that was linked. That's linked to our bonus. So you have to show how you have managed your wobbly line as part of your performance for the year, which you know I think was a real transition. And I, I guess we're seeing more companies do that. And so the question was going to be: Have you seen from your experience that that well-being and actually looking after oneself is becoming more a part of a corporate's responsibility to their employees? Hugely so. I mean, I think, again, the pandemic has basically, you know, we've got this whole thing of where's safe and where's not. So companies are feeling this burden of responsibility now to ensure the health of of their employees. And we saw that through lockdown, we're kind of this thing, I think companies kind of scrabble to understand, oh, well, how do we work with everyone's like at home and you know, setting everyone up on, on their Zoom or their Microsoft Teams or whatever. But then that transition towards actually work, realizing, you know, a lot of people are feeling isolated. We're working with a, a really big company um, you know, they've got graduate intake that have never worked in an office building, that they're two years now, they haven't met their peers or their managers in person. And there's a lot of anxiety around, around going in. More and more companies are, are recognising off the back of the pandemic, like well-being is not just like a nice to have, like the workforce coming in now new is demanding it. They're kind of like, what are you going to do for us for our well-being? And it's becoming more and more embedded into companies, which I think is, is an amazing thing. It's I really mean, exciting. Claire, you sat on a on menopause workshop for, for a big corporate. And I, I did one last week, uh, again, for another big corporate, a menopause workshop talking about the male menopause. And it's just great to see that's being openly talked about and embraced in, in like, you know, huge corporate environments now, just and as I, an example. I don't think that would have happened so, so much mm. if the pandemic hadn't happened. I just, I really don't. I think there's so much more openness to talking about our mental health 
um, and our mental well-being. So, you know, we're really excited to be part of those conversations, but, you know, big organisations, because it's something we've always felt passionate about and always felt that that was something that was missing in the organisations I worked in, for sure. Mm. And that's one of the three things that, that you talk about, psychological coaching, fitness and well-being. Um, and part of well-being is, is having that control over your life as well, that it's not just racing ahead of you and you're trying to keep up and get to the next Zoom meeting. What would you kind of suggest about people getting control back over their lives? Oh, get um, asked this all the time. Yeah, I mean, firstly, I would say when, and I've had this personal experience and I see it with, we see it with clients all the time, the first most critical, most important and easiest way to get control back over your life is to start looking after your body. Because when everything else feels out of control, I know this is how I got into this in the first place. When my life was out from the outside, an utter mess, an utter mess. But the only thing, you know, what's she doing? She's going back to minimum wage. She absolutely crazy. You know, but actually getting a control over my own physical wellness was the first step to starting to get control in other areas of my life. Because otherwise, when that's out of control, everything kind of feels out of control. We see this all the time. You reclaim your power. When you start looking at nourishing your body and moving your body, something psychologically just clicks. And we say strong body, strong mind. And it's so true. Yeah, I would add to that, you know, one thing that the pandemic has shown us, like human beings, we're hardwired to love certainty. So we, we love this perceived level of certainty. What the pandemic's taught us actually is like that certainty is actually just an illusion, right? We don't have a lot of control over a lot of things. But because we love it so much, our subconscious loves it, the best you can do is start like making little routine stuff, make a plan, make routines. The, the subconscious loves like that routine, a plan, certainty. But equally as important, and this is where people go wrong. When you start feeling good again, don't abandon it because that's a critical mistake people make. They're like, oh, this is working. I feel great. I'll just stop doing it now. And I can tell you from personal experience, I've made that mistake. When you stop, it's when it comes back and kicks you up the bar. Yeah, don't be complacent. As well as all the fitness and the nutrition stuff that we teach people, it's about the routines, particularly in the morning. We call it like the morning routine, the morning ritual that sets you up for the day. So that's the psychology side and kind of the, the spiritual side as well of what we practice and what we teach ourselves is to make sure before you let the outside world in before you let all the noise in make sure that you have grounded yourself in the present moment that you're grateful you walk into your day knowing having set an intention for how the day plans out because what you focus on grows so if you start the day focusing on all the good you know it doesn't matter it really genuinely that we all go through as human beings really tough times you can find a nugget of gratitude promise you that's when magic starts to unfold and if you practice that over and over and over again it's so powerful so powerful yeah you may you maybe touched on it on it there i guess my next next question was going to be about how to maintain that change because it's a you know it's something that we hear all the time isn't it and i've been on it before you know you you kind of start going to the gym or you start kind of some kind of routine which is healthy you get three months in and then suddenly something gets in the way and then you stop and then before you know it you've put on more weight than you had on before and it's that cycle starts over and over again what are some of the and maybe what you've just touched on claire about kind of having those routines but what are some of the kind of practical advice tips that you give to your clients that have probably been in that yo-yo cycle um, for so long, but never managed to maintain it. What is that golden nugget? 
Yeah, it's actually about um, belief and behaviour change. Like we always say, you cannot outperform your self-identity. And here's the thing, we always tend to think, most people think of our, of our personality, our self-identity as, as a fixed thing. But it's actually not. We can change it. We can change our beliefs. We can change our behaviours. Just doing like, you know, a workout plan or a diet, which is where maybe everyone is just focusing on the external thing. They'll be like, oh, I need to lose weight. I'm just going to like watch what I eat and go on a diet and go to the gym more. I mean, great. You'll get the results in the short term. But like you said, you'll rebound back because you're not actually addressing your beliefs about, I'm, I believe that I'm a person that can maintain this and carry it on. So a lot of the work we do is helping people identify what their limiting beliefs are that are going to hold them back and what their new supporting beliefs could be and transition to that to create a new self-identity that's going to you know, carry them there. And then that work's not easy, but it makes it easier down the road because you actually have this new identity, a new belief system that makes it just a lifestyle choice for you rather than thinking, oh, I've got to go to the gym. You're like, yay, it's time for the gym. Mm-hmm. It was basically the same, it's exactly the same example as me saying, I can't do what I love and make money. Mm-hmm. That was the belief system that was holding me back. So it didn't matter what I was doing, like creating these businesses, these online courses, so no matter what I was doing, I was incongruent. So basically my actions and my belief systems were not aligned. So when, when you're doing that, you're constantly fighting. There's two parts of yourself, basically fighting. And this one, your mind, your, this one will always, your own self-identity, how you see yourself will always win out. And that's why people yo-yo. That's why people self-sabotage their, their, their success. Yeah. Do you see, and maybe you, you guys saw this as well, like external factors and, and friends and things saying to you, what are you doing? Like Daniel Beddingfield is talking to you, James, and he's saying, what are you doing? Why are you giving up on MTV? We're, we're great mates. Why are, you, why are you sacking all of this off and going to minimum wage and changing your life? That is also quite tough, isn't it? It's it, it is tough. Factors. Yeah, and you know, your environment does does play a role. So, you know, anyone that is wanting to take positive steps, I say another thing to do is surround yourself with like-minded people. And sadly, you know, we do sometimes see this with, with clients or potential clients, is there's someone close to them that's actually invested in them not changing. Mm. You know, they become comfortable with them the way they are and actually perceive it as a threat. If one half of a couple is suddenly like, right, I'm gonna start looking after myself, I'm gonna start working my mindset, I'm gonna take myself to the next level. That can be quite a threat to the other person. So it's really important that you do find support, like-minded people. And it is easier these days because, you know, we've got all these social media channels. We've got groups. You can find communities that will support your goals. But just make sure you are surrounding yourself with people that are aligned with what you want to achieve as well. And then you know, don't, don't be afraid. You don't have to cut people out. But just, you know, know, know your boundaries and be prepared to enforce them. I would say don't dim your light for what everyone else thinks. Don't dim your light for other people's, um, whatever expectations people put on you, because in the end, this is your life. And it's it's how you live it that you're going to remember. You'll never, ever worry about, you know, at the end at the end of your life, you're never going to worry about what people thought about you. It'd be how much you fulfilled your potential. No. How it's... many TikTok followers you have. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was just... I was just thinking as you talked there, it reminded me, I, I don't know if you've come across the work of a, a couple of chaps called The Minimalists, which are all about a minimalist lifestyle. And um, this was going back a few years ago, but around kind of surrounding yourself with, with like-minded people, they had a, a kind of a protocol for kind of actually reviewing your, your, your friendship group. And, you know, it was literally writing down the people that were closest to you and, 
and basically just a very simple exercise of, of the, are they an energizer or not? You know, do they help me or do they, they take it away? And I mean, they actually quite felt quite ruthless. And James, I've been meaning to say this for a while, but unfortunately, mate, you <laughs> did not make the grade. <laughs> I was um, going to say, have you done this? And I, was, <laughs> I was happily this, sticking I've just been wait, waiting for this moment for three years and it finally <laughs> came. But no, but you know, but it's actually quite a good task to go to just in terms of those people that give you support that actually energize you that are open that are good listeners compared to spending that time with people who are the opposite and i'm not saying you know you can like you said jim you can't cut everybody off from your life but you know just having that in your mind and i certainly kind of use that as a principle going out now is that i want to spend time with people that are going to energize me not people that are going to suck the energy away exactly and uh, this is a true story you never know how how what people's motivations or what they're feeling are so we had, we had a client and she she was working with us and you know she said oh i've got this woman at work she just keeps like oh, oh, oh what are you doing to yourself oh you're wasting your time oh and it carried on carried on carried on so the woman actually came up to one day it's like what are you doing are you're you looking doing? amazing and, and you're like <laughs> great so what what is it you're doing and it was just like this woman kind of like belittled her and kept having a go at her but then in the end she was like i need to know what you're doing well it's all about yourself right you're projecting stuff that you haven't worked on on you, in yourself so when you're yeah. behaving like that and trying to put someone down it's a pain that you're experiencing it's nothing about the other person yeah no amazing look and we could sit here and talk to you all night about this kind of subjects i mean you know if anyone hasn't listened to your podcast i, I said, said, talked to james earlier and said that i'd listened to an episode this morning you know it's absolutely fantastic lots of great advice you two talking away i know you've had guests on as well which is which is great so highly recommend that but just going back to the kind of the business and, and you two for now what what do you guys see as the future in this kind of health and well-being space i mean it's been around for probably what 15 20 years it's really kind of ramped up recently i guess the pandemic affected a lot of it in terms of people couldn't get together but what are you excited about when it kind of comes to the future of this space um i'm i'm excited i mean try not to it's, it sounds quite weird but i try not to look too much at what other people are doing anyway it's just about what stuff really sets us alight and what we want to put out into the world but what excites um, me about our business and where it's going is that the sky is the limit but also and you know that we're masters of our own destiny that excites me but also that we get to do the mind body and soul part you know it's, it's holistic that's what a lot of clients just so beautiful they say to us you know I came in it to to lose a few pounds or to get feel like I'm in more control of my habits but I've come out knowing myself I've got a better relationship I've, I've been promoted at work I've started my business that's the stuff that we get really excited about because we know the power of looking after yourself and that self-care in a holistic way and then and then people realizing that everything is interlinked mm. so just doing more and more and more of that excites me and for me, I'm really excited about the more organisations starting to, to deliver well-being to their employees. And listen, we all know that um, the National Health Service is, is under massive strain, right? And if we take you know, COVID out of picture for a minute, a lot of that is driven by you know, simply people not, not being empowered with, with the tools to make great choices about how they eat, how they live their lives, you know, movement and exercise. Now, organisations have people's time, right? Most people spend most of their time at work. So there's this opportunity for them to really start driving change for, for the good of, ev of everyone, you know? And I think that's an amazing opportunity. I think more organisations are going to get more serious and see it as a kind of USP. I think um, mm. you know, going forward, people are going to be less concerned about 
oh, what's my salary or what grade of car do I get to pick? And actually, what what's your well-being program like? You know, what do you offer with that? Yeah. No, I certainly hope that is. And I think I'm can speak for both of us. We both work for organizations that are quite hot on that area and 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 do a lot for us. But um, yeah, it's amazing when you speak to other friends and stuff, and some businesses just have no acknowledgement of it as even being an issue at the moment. So, you know, we're lucky. Look, we'll begin to wrap it up there. Thank you so much for kind of sharing your insight, sharing some really valuable perspectives on this whole area. I think there can't be many people who are listening that didn't find some of that really interesting and probably asking themselves some some questions off the back of it. But we're not going to let you go straight away. We have three questions that we drop in at the end of every podcast. So we'll go to both of you. James, do you want to go with the first one? Yeah, the first one's going to be quite telling, isn't it? So uh, if you could transport back in time, and meet your 20-year-old self, what piece of advice would you give and why? James, you can go first. Oh, oh. Uh, I'm going to say, hey, you're not, you're not doing a bad job. Just keep following your dreams, actually. Nice. Claire? Mine would be stop worrying about what you look like. <laughs> and you're not too sensitive. Your sensitivity is your superpower and keep on trucking on and you'll find your thing you will find your thing nice okay this one will be quite interesting as well um can you tell us about one life hack or productivity tool a habit or a skill or something that you've taught yourself recently that you think everybody needs to know about oh my god we've got so many of these yeah claire go on then so, so for me, I'm going to sound really boring. <laughs> my life hack, my life hack recently has been um, actually cutting out coffee in the morning, which is utterly shocking to me, seeing as I was completely addicted to coffee and I, I said I'd never give it up. But mine's like um, hot water, lemon um, and ginger, and then having like this tonic with um, some milk thistle in it, because I was actually feeling really low on energy. Um, I think I'd had kind of a potentially a bit of a long, long COVID. Mm. So my energy was going up and down, up and down. So my little life hack is start your day off, like really nourishing your body um, and not having coffee. No one's going to like me. It's <laughs> a big one. James? <laughs> So I'm going to do mine about starting your day as well. Uh, something Claire referenced earlier is like it is so important to start your day grounded and connecting with yourself. So, you know, so many of us get up and the first thing we do is like look at the phone or flip the telly or the radio on and straight away you're letting in the outside world. And that's going to influence the rest of your day. Just if you need to set the alarm just 10 minutes earlier, get up, get some quiet time on your own. Just reflect. Like I, I love doing a gratitude practice every morning. Yeah. Three things I'm grateful for for yesterday, three things I'm grateful for in my life and intention for the day. It can be that simple, that short, but just making sure you've got that time in the morning to shape your day before you let the outside world intrude. Nice. nice. James, go on then. Last one. Final one. As a podcast that is focused around people doing more good. What is your favourite story or inspiring individual you've met on your journey or recently who has done something good for others? I'm actually going to reference someone that I connected with recently that James actually put me in touch with. And her name's Katie. So if you're listening to to this, her name's Katie. And she's actually um, helping women find love and calling their soulmate at midlife and I love the work that she's doing and she's doing it she did this free challenge it was really beautiful really powerful and it created a really safe space for the women to be really really feminine and 
aligned and sharing sharing their stories about calling your soulmates and stuff so i i love what katie's doing so she's really helping people with free content and um so i give her a shout out Love that. Yeah. Are you saying you love that because you can't think of one? No, James, James was, James was going to see, say you, Claire, wasn't he? Starting I've got out. so many. I don't know. I don't know. Starting out. Starting out. So many wonderful people. Mm. Well, we had a great chat today with a guy who's actually a psychologist and neuroscientist, and he's doing lots of work around the midlife brain because um, our brain structure actually changes as well. So uh, apparently, you know, from there's there's marked change in the brain at adolescence, then again at midlife. Uh, again, which, you know, it's not only hormonal changes, it's actually changes in brain structure occurring. So he's doing a lot of great work around that and putting information out there. It's a guy called Ben. Nice. Great. Okay. Two good examples there. Thank you so much. Look, we'll wrap it up there. Um, if anyone wants to find you or reach out, where, where can they go? Uh, you can go to themidlifementors.com and you can find us on our podcast. Just go to iTunes, Google, Spotify, and now we're on Amazon as well. So you can just ask um, Alexa, the Midlife Mentors podcast, so you can find us there. On Instagram, we're at Midlife Mentors. And we've got a free Facebook community as well, just the Midlife Mentors community. It's a really great space for people and that's growing all the time. So that's where you can find us. We'd love to. We'd love to speak to anyone that wants to help make their life, you know, healthier and happier at midlife. Brilliant, perfect. Look, that was great, James. Any final thoughts? I had a bit of an epiphany halfway through. I think you you, you talked about I think Kenneth. You were talking about mid-year reviews and how we set lots of targets. I've just done mine. I, I have no personal targets included in that, so I think I'm going to work on some for me and and talk to the team. And one of them's got to be sorting out getting on auto trader and finding myself a honda s2000 <laughs> perfect look we'll wrap it up there thank you both so much james we'll see you soon take care everyone just before we go can we ask a favor we would very much appreciate if you can leave us a review on itunes or on your preferred podcast platform You can also find out more about us on our website at domoregood.uk. And if you'd like to get in touch with either James or myself, you can contact us at contact at domoregood.uk. Let us know how we can improve the show, whether you have a recommendation for a guest or whether you'd like to feature yourself. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another story of someone doing more good.